You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. In 2011, as Netflix moved their support infrastructure from on-prem to the cloud, the Netflix engineers built the now famous application module called Chaos Monkey. First, how great is that name? I love network engineers. Second, here's what their website says about it. Quote, Chaos Monkey is a tool that randomly disables our production instances to make sure we can survive this common type of failure without any customer impact. End quote. Let me say that another way. Netflix routinely runs an app that randomly destroys pieces of their customer-facing infrastructure on purpose so that their network architects understand resilience engineering down deep in their core. Now, there are some network defenders and IT professionals who would categorize what Netflix does as impressive, aspirational even. But I believe that the bulk of us would categorize what Netflix does as stark, raving bonkers. We're not going to bring down our customer-facing infrastructure for a test. It's hard enough to keep the thing up and running without destroying it ourselves. We would be wrong, of course, but that's the current thinking in our community. Netflix has embraced resiliency in its IT infrastructure. The bulk of the rest of us just wave our hands at it. My name is Rick Howard. You are listening to CSO Perspectives, my podcast about the ideas, strategies, and technologies that senior security executives wrestle with on a daily basis. This is the fourth show in a planned series that discusses the development of a general purpose cybersecurity strategy using the concept of first principles. I explained what first principles are during the first show and made an argument what the very first principle should be. I discussed zero trust in the second and intrusion kill chains in the third. For this show, we are talking about resilience. With all of these concepts, we are building a metaphorical wall, brick by brick, for a cybersecurity InfoSec program based on first principles. The foundation of that wall, the ultimate and atomic first principle, is this. Reduce the probability of material impact to my organization due to a cyber event. That's it. Nothing else matters. This simple statement is the pillar on which we can build an entire InfoSec program. Zero trust and intrusion kill chains are key bricks on that wall. They are both necessary, but together they are not sufficient. Even if you have been wildly successful implementing these two strategies, that achievement does not guarantee that your cyber adversaries 
will not cause you material damage. No defense is perfect. Just talk to the French about their Maginot Line defensive failure during World War II, or for my fellow nerds out there, cringe at how Jon Snow's defensive plan to defend Castle Winterfell disintegrates from the assault of the White Walkers in Game of Thrones. With robust zero trust and kill chain strategies in place, the InfoSec team can greatly reduce the probability of material impact due to a cyber event. But there is one more lever to pull that can add leverage to that probability. It's called resilience. As a concept, the American Society for Industrial Security, or ACES for short, coined the phrase as early as 2009, but they were really describing what turned out to be business continuity. I'll cover the difference between the two in a bit. The World Economic Forum formalized resilience back in 2012, quote, the ability of systems and organizations to withstand cyber events, end quote. Since then, other thought leaders have refined it. U.S. President Obama even signed a presidential policy directive dictating resilience for the country's critical infrastructure back in 2013. But the definition I like best comes from two Stockholm University researchers in 2015. I'm going to butcher these names, but Jana Sterna and Yelena Zratkovic. Ooh, that sounded pretty good. They define it this way, quote, the ability to continuously deliver the intended outcome despite adverse cyber events, end quote. And finally, the International Standards Organization, ISO, defined it as this in 2017, quote, the ability of an organization to absorb and adapt in a changing environment to enable it to deliver its objectives and to survive and prosper, end quote. In other words, assume that the bad guys will successfully negotiate the intrusion kill chain or find a chink in my zero-trust armor, or just in general, assume that there will be a massive IT failure sometime in the future. Devise a strategy that will ensure that your organization's essential services will still function. My favorite real-world deployment example of resilience, and possibly the world's greatest demonstration of nerd chutzpah, is the Chaos Engineering Project over at Netflix. They have a series of applications they call the Simeon Army that on purpose collapses random pieces of their infrastructure to test for resilience. These apps have fabulous names like Chaos Monkey, Latency Monkey, Doctor Monkey, Security Monkey, and of course, Chaos Gorilla, just to name a few. In my typical world, disasters are things that might happen sometime in the future, but probably never. At least I hope they don't. I have plans written on paper that discusses what we might do if a disaster happens, but that's usually as far as it goes. In the Netflix world, planned disasters happen every day, and I still get to keep watching episodes of The Witcher uninterrupted, as if nothing happened. The other resiliency example I'd like to talk about is the Google Site Reliability Engineering Teams, or SREs. Back in 2004, when Google was nothing more than a search engine, the Google leadership team made an extraordinary decision. Instead of creating a team of network engineers to manage the infrastructure the way that every other company on the planet did, they handed the responsibility to the software development team. Now, the domino effect you get when you hand a task like that to a bunch of programmers is that it fertilizes the seeds for an internet giant to emerge down the road. At the start, the SREs wrote programs to automate those jobs that a network engineer would traditionally do by manually logging into a console and typing commands. 
They invented DevOps a full six years before the industry even had a name for it. Over time, that monumental decision pioneered the idea of infrastructure as code. SREs label manual tasks as toil, and they describe it as anything repetitive, tactical, and devoid of any enduring value. Now, we all know the benefits of automating tasks, but the Google SREs have taken that idea to the nth degree. Now, they realize that it's not a panacea, but it is a force multiplier. Done correctly, it layers a blanket of consistency across the entire organization, and once built, the emerging platform can be easily extended. Google didn't just automate key tasks, they built an autonomous system that instantiates a framework for resiliency. In my personal experience, I can't remember the last time a Google product failed, but you know that internally, their systems are failing all over the place. The infrastructure is too big for that not to be true. The fact that I never noticed meets the very definition of resiliency. Both the Netflix and Google examples are more aligned with IT operations than security. They're more DevOps than DevSecOps. That's unfortunate. But the SREs of the world have set a great example for the security community. Design and deploy the digital infrastructure in such a way that even if Fancy Bear penetrated the deployed defensive system, the impact of the organization would be minimal. Design it so that even if the Ragnarokker ransomware takes over a segment of my network, my business can continue to provide service. That's resilience. You may be saying to yourself that this resilience thing sure sounds like an older idea that's been around for a long time. It's called business continuity. So what's the difference? Well, it turns out that business continuity got its start in the 1970s, and that community is really large. And some are upset, thinking the newfangled marketing term resilience is just the latest buzzword in the industry that is getting all of the attention, but that the two phrases are interchangeable. That's not quite true, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole of internet debate here. For simplicity's sake, think of resilience as the strategy and business continuity as the set of tactics organizations use to achieve that strategy. From my own perspective, though, the business continuity people have stayed mostly in the physical world, concentrating on keeping the business running in lieu of natural disasters, power outages, executive deaths, and infestation of white walkers, you know, things like that. You don't traditionally see a lot of business continuity people advocating for a Netflix chaos monkey approach or a Google infrastructure as code approach. All of that is unimportant, though. It is arguing over semantics. The metaphorical InfoSec wall we are building, based on first principles, will reduce the probability of material impact to our organization due to a cyber event. The bricks that we are putting on that wall are, first, zero trust, then the intrusion kill chains, and now resilience. If you don't like the word resilience, though, call it what you want. You can call it the great kazoo if you like, as long as it continuously delivers the intended business outcome, despite any adverse cyber events. Some would say that resilience sounds similar to zero trust, too. What's the difference between those two? Well, zero trust is limiting access to organizational resources based on need to know. Resilience means that even though you have built-in limited access, you might have redundant workloads running in hybrid cloud environments that the IT team and the InfoSec team can switch to in case of an emergency. That might be subtle, but it's a major difference.
Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. Our resilience block that sits at the base of our metaphorical InfoSec wall is the strategy that will allow our organization to continue to function during a catastrophic cyber event like an OPM-level breach or an Edward Snowden-type insider threat event. It's one more lever to pull in our pursuit of reducing the probability of a material impact to our organization due to a cyber event. Look to the Netflixes and the Googles of the world to get inspired about how to do it. Team up with the business continuity teams and bring them along for the ride. They have a lot of practical how-to knowledge that will be useful. If you can get all of this done, maybe your castle Winterfell won't get overwhelmed by the hacker White Walkers. And that's a wrap. If you agree or disagree with anything I have said, hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter and we can continue the conversation there. The CyberWire CSO Perspectives is edited by John Petrick and executive produced by Peter Kilpie. Engineering, music design, and original music, all done by the insanely talented Elliot Peltzman. And I am Rick Howard. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this preview of CSO Perspectives, be sure to subscribe to CyberWire Pro and get access to the rest of this episode, as well as all past seasons of CSO Perspectives ad-free. And you all know I love getting rid of the ads. Visit thecyberwire.com slash CSO Pro. That's thecyberwire.com slash CSO Pro to explore the many benefits of CyberWire Pro and to subscribe.